Welcome to episode number 130 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. This episode is coming to you from the great state of Hawaii. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, we try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. At the Engineering Management Institute, we believe that in order to be the best civil engineer that you can be, you must consistently get better. Get better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we published this free podcast to help you do just that. In this episode, our fifth episode in our Women in Civil Engineering series, I will be taking you with me to Honolulu to visit Kaufman Engineers, where I will sit down to talk with Jamie Hirota, a civil engineer and experienced project manager who manages a quickly growing civil engineering department. Now, Jamie is going to talk about the biggest career decision she had to make, which was leaving the family business. Just think about that. You've worked in the family business, in this case, her husband's family's business for a long time, and she had to make a serious decision. And she's going to walk us through that process, among many other interesting aspects of civil engineering in Hawaii and growing a department. Before we get started, this is a free show, and our sponsors help us keep it free. So please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. A big thank you to EMI's newest podcast sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a privately owned multidiscipline engineering firm with 950 employees in 32 offices nationwide and growing fast. Mazer Consulting's engineers, planners, surveyors, landscape architects, and environmental scientists provide professional services to a diverse client base across the public and private sectors. Headquartered in New Jersey with projects coast to coast, Mazer's offices are strategically positioned to provide comprehensive services to meet their clients' needs. Mazer Consulting is committed to the success of their clients and employees. I'll tell you more about our new sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a little later on in the episode. I also want to mention our Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop continues to get better and better. And I say that because we've now enlisted two other instructors that will be working with me in our 2020 sessions. And I've introduced some of them to you before, of course, through the podcast, one of them being Dax, who is a civil engineer, not only a civil engineer, but Dax Hoff owns his own company, Dax Consulting. And he talked about one of our previous episodes, building the company. And now he's going to be doing some of the sessions of the Accelerator. Of course, one of them around networking and building relationships. So excited to have Dax on board. And Erica Lee Garcia, who's also had a lot of experience in training and speaking in the engineering world and is a professional engineer in Canada, will also be one of our instructors on a few of the sessions in the 2020 modules. Our first one's coming up in February. You can go to engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. Check out the course. As I said, I'll be providing a few of the sessions and Dax and Erica will as well. So you'll get some different perspectives and please join us for the session. It's already filling up. All right. So now we're going to get back to our episode here 
really excited to make the trip to Hawaii. It's an amazing place. If you haven't had the chance to get there, you should get there for sure. Not only is it an amazing place, of course, because it's surrounded by oceans and it's beautiful, but from a civil engineering perspective, it is also extremely interesting. And I do want to also thank Beth Shimagawa, who was there with us in the room and really helped to make a great interview. And I think you're going to enjoy it. So to bring us into the interview now, let me just tell you a little bit more about my guest. Jamie Hirota is a strong program and project management professional with a Bachelor of Science focused in civil engineering from Purdue University. She is dedicated to developing a team that can provide high client satisfaction, which is obvious in her daily actions. All right, let's dive into our civil engineering conversation of the week. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Anthony Fasano from the Engineering Management Institute, and I'm excited to be here at the office of Kaufman Engineers in Honolulu. I'm here with Civil Engineering Department Manager Jamie Hirota. This is one of our Women in Civil Engineering episodes of the Civil Engineering Podcast. And Jamie, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's just start by giving our audience a little bit of uh, background on yourself. Tell us how you got to this point in your career as a civil engineer. Okay. I grew up in central Illinois and attended Purdue University. While I was at Purdue, I met my husband, senior year, and who's also a civil engineer. And we um, stayed in Indiana for about 18 months after graduation so that he could finish his master's. During that time, I worked for the city of Indianapolis. And then we got married and five days later, moved to Hawaii. Two days after that, I went to work for my father-in-law in what was the third generation family business of civil engineering and land surveying. So I spent 22 years in that business. Wow. And last year, my husband and I decided to move away from the family business. And we were fortunate enough to know some folks at Kaufman. And we've been here ever since and really enjoyed the move and the change of scenery from being in a family business for such a long time. Sure. Now, how big was that family business? Was it a small business? It was a small business, about 20 people, okay. um, both land surveying and civil. So we had a small civil group and two or three survey parties. So maybe you could talk for a minute about some of the benefits, I think, of working. I mean, I worked for a small civil firm myself, and it, it helped me, especially you know, early in my career, to, to learn about a lot about things. Did you find that that was helpful? I did. I have a lot of great experience, I think, because you know, a lot of times there is no one else to do the job you're doing, and you get put into situations where maybe you're not prepared for it, but you have right. to step up to the table right. and, and do what you're told. A lot of benefit to having surveying with the civil engineering. You know, I learned a lot about collecting data and manage how the survey really plays such a vital role yeah. in the engineering piece of the work we were doing. That's great. I mean, I think that is one of the most important things that I learned as, third, as a surveyor in the field myself. And when I got into the office and I had to do design work, it was, I had a much better, I think, handle on it, you know, knowing how the project is kind of built from the ground up. So I think that is a really good benefit. So there are benefits to working at different size firms throughout your career, which is great. And then you made this transition. But I think even before that, you made this decision to come to Hawaii and your husband's family is from Hawaii. My correct? husband's family is here. He always knew that he was coming back. Even after eight and a half years in Indiana, he knew that he wanted to come back and work in the family firm and convinced me to do that. For anyone who thinks they want to move to Hawaii, it is a difficult transition, and a lot of people don't recognize that. Initially, I had 
a local family to help me with that transition. Right. But it does take a while. It's a different place. It's a different culture. And after 22 years, I could say that I would never leave by choice. But but it wasn't that easy. But it wasn't that yeah. easy. So let's talk about civil engineering in Hawaii a little bit, because it also is different, of course, than the mainland. There's some, I mean, everywhere in the world has differences in civil engineering from state to state, from region to region, from municipality to municipality. But I think in Hawaii, there's some unique situations, one of them being that, you know, the stormwater discharges to the ocean everywhere. So how does that impact kind of regulations and design? It has a big impact. And I actually just did a presentation on stormwater management here because we were seeing a lot more government regulation on that. Because like you say, on the island of Oahu, an average day, we have 2 billion gallons of rain falling from the sky. And about 30% of that is going straight to the ocean. So as we've seen our reefs degrade, it's become a really important thing for us to have better water quality before discharge. We're also, we've got a really healthy aquifer that gives us pristine water and we Mm. want to make sure that that is protected. So there's a lot of things that we do here to ensure that that we're maintaining the health of that aquifer and and that we're trying to get groundwater recharge. And in 2017, the city and county finally came through. They had been given a mandate by the EPA to come through and really relook at all of our stormwater management techniques and so what does that entail for like, I mean, some examples in terms of like, if you're working on a site and you're doing a stormwater design, is there like different systems or is it the time that you retain the water? Like, what are some things that you need to maybe do here? Well, they're trying to look at it holistically from the day we start disturbance to the finished product. The finished product. So there's a lot more regulation on the erosion sediment control side now and the management of water during construction. On this island, on Oahu, we have a lot of clay soils, so it's difficult to manage water because we don't get good percolation rates and infiltration rates. Mm. So that was the first piece of it was really to bring our stormwater management during construction up to par. And then for the long term, looking at alternatives because we don't have good infiltration rates to try and do more groundwater recharge through terrible soils. That's very challenging. It is very challenging. And what's unique about Hawaii is every island has different soil characteristics. So if you go to the big island, it is a lava field, really. I mean, it's an active volcano. And all you have to do is find a hole and and the water will go through it. You know, we treat each island differently as Mm. to how we're managing stormwater. And 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 Kaufman does work on all the islands. We do. We do work on all the islands. And beyond that, of course. That's interesting to me as a civil engineer, because you do really need to think through the different characteristics of every island and you're dealing with this. I did a lot of stormwater work. And so I could imagine when we talked about, you know, water getting to the ocean, my first thought was maybe you can use some infiltration (laughs) techniques, but apparently that's not going to work too well here in Oahu. So I could see how that could present some challenges. Now, how about like public work here? I know there's a lot of roadways, there's highways. Is there a lot of work and just in general for civil engineering? There is a lot of work. There has been a lot of work more recently. The EPA has not been friendly to the state of Hawaii. Stormwater is one issue we've had. Sewer effluent is another issue. There's a lot of work right now trying to upgrade our treatment plants because they all discharge to the ocean, of course. We also have a mandate now. We used to be a community built on cesspools, especially in the outer fringes of the islands. Those are disappearing. They're no longer allowed. So there's a lot of wastewater work that people are doing. We're very fortunate. You know, we have a large military presence. 
So there's a lot of federal work. The positioning of Hawaii in the Pacific region for the federal initiatives is changing, and it's brought more people to Hawaii, um, more troops, different facilities are required. So we're seeing a big upswing in that. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is your husband a civil engineer as well? He's a civil engineer and licensed land surveyor. So my wife is a civil engineer as well, so married civil engineers. But this is part of our Women in Civil Engineering series. And I know like one of the reasons I started this, I mean, my wife struggled a little bit with confidence. I mean, there's a lot more men in the field than women, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in our graduating class, my wife was one of the few female engineers. For you, in terms of being a female in the industry, how has it impacted you? Or what would you say about that to other women civil engineers that are kind of up and coming in their careers and are just getting ready? We get a lot of uh, contact about all the young female engineers saying, I'm excited, I'm a little bit nervous, but what could you say to them? Right. So I was very fortunate in that I attended Purdue and there is a strong women in engineering program at Purdue. It's a strong recruitment and retention program. I was part of that while I was there for three years, trying to educate young females on what it is to be an engineer and the challenges they will face. So I felt like I came out of school fairly well prepared, had all female engineering roommates, I had a strong community of female engineers around me, which was really, really helpful. And, you know, I was in a firm for years. We only had one other female engineer. I never felt that I was at a disadvantage of. I'm also fortunate in Hawaii because of the cultural diversity that's here. Mm. I think you tend to see a lot more tolerance um, for females because we have so many different ethnicities that being a woman is not necessarily a detriment. It's great that Purdue had that in place as well. I think any time you can get that support early on in your career is really invaluable because then, you know, you have it with you yeah. as you go through different transitions. And that's another thing. It seems like you've gone through some different transitions in your career from moving from Indiana to Honolulu, which was obviously a big transition. Then, you know, working with the family company for 22 years and then having another transition recently. How have you kind of manage those transitions or how did you get through those transitions? (laughs) I got married and was on a plane to Hawaii, moved in with my in-laws, went to work for my father-in-law all within a week period of time. And it was a challenge and it took a long time. You know, I I now had this boss who was also my father-in-law and I just had to put my head down and work through it. And I was fortunate that my husband was standing next to me through all of this. He was very helpful in making sure that I stayed in the industry that I chose and I really love because, you know, there were a couple of points in time when I thought it might be easier to go do something else. Sure. You know, coming out of such a strong women in engineering program, I know a lot of women who never actually practiced engineering. Yeah, right. For a lot of those reasons. Yeah, for a lot of those reasons. And and have gone on to do amazing other things. And I always tell people you can do a lot of things with an engineering degree. You don't have to be a practicing engineer. Right. But it makes life a little easier if you can get through those four years. The sky's the limit. Yeah. And then how about this most recent transition coming over to Kaufman? How was that like for you being with that kind of smaller family-owned business for a long time, you know, with different things going on there? One, it's probably smaller. Secondly, you have, you know, it's family-owned. Talk a little bit about that transition. How did that go for you? That transition was years in the making, and it was based on a lack of succession planning that was happening in the firm we were in. And 
and my frustrations with that. And I knew at my age that I wanted to go into a firm that was really thinking about the future and had good succession planning in place already. So I was looking for firms that were forward thinking. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of local firms are not like that. They're mm. small local firms, right. it, very similar from what I came from. It wasn't easy to leave the firm. It wasn't acceptable to my father-in-law for us to leave the firm that he thought that we would take over take at some over. point. Yeah. And it, it was part of our identity. I mean, our kids grew up in that business. Right. We went to that office every single day for <laughs> 22 years. Yeah. But for the long-term stability of my family, I really felt that it was time for us to move on. And when I went out looking, you know, the opportunity to go to kind of a more of a mid-sized firm was enticing because all the resources we didn't have in place in the small family-owned business are here. Right. And all the things that, you know, we used to joke about, you know, we had to make sure the lights came on every day and right. when the roof leaked, we had to get, you know, all those yeah. things that took away yeah, from my engineering career. Yeah are taken care of now. And it's breath of fresh air. It's not easy with our family, of course. We will forever deal with the issue of leaving the family business. I spent 10 years on the Family Business Center of Hawaii board. And you know, it happens. It happens in any business. If people don't plan for succession, right. you know, your business could fail. Those are some yeah interesting decisions yeah. that you had to make in transitions. And I think you make some really good points in terms of like, some of the resources that are available at a little bit larger firms. So I think there's always a good balance because I always get questions from engineers about that. Like, should I work for a small company or a large company or a mid-sized company? And really, there's no right answer. I mean, they all have their benefits. They all have some risks associated with them. And I mean, I worked for a very small company in the beginning of my career. And I'm sure like, you know, I wouldn't trade it in for anything because I really learned a lot of the fundamentals of engineering there, like the surveying. But then I also moved to kind of a mid to larger size firm at one point in my career. And again, the resources were there. There was different benefit resources. There was different things that were just more beneficial for me. So I think you just always need to think about, you know, whether it's family that's driving a decision, your career development, your, how that's going to progress in different situations and opportunities. And there's no really one right answer for everybody, but hopefully from some of the things that, you know, Jamie's talking about. You can use some of that to help you guide, you know, maybe some of your decisions. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, managing the civil engineering department here. I know it's been growing rapidly. I think you said when you started here recently, it was two people. Was it a year ago that you started yep, here? Yeah, I started a year ago. We had two people. Kaufman is multidiscipline. And in this office, we have civil, structural, fire protection, mechanical, and electrical engineers. You know, and the civil team was really at that time, supporting um, the multidiscipline effort, some small projects, and came over, brought a few projects with me, mm -hmm. and we went from two up to seven really quickly to try and manage the That's project load yeah. that we had during what is a very difficult time in the labor market. If we could hire one or two more people, I'd love to do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. So you're, you're really busy. Yeah. yeah. It's been, you know, I've been really fortunate um, Hawaii is community-based on relationships. You know, my husband and I have been here a long time. Right. know a lot of people, have had a lot of clients, and are fortunate that we've had some really good clients who saw us as a couple worth moving their business with right. to make sure that they continue to get the good service that they become accustomed to. So That's great. 
which speaks to like, you know, how civil engineering is a real personal profession, mm-hmm. right? A lot of relationships are really important. We talk a lot about that at EMI, you know, building relationships should just be like a secondary component to your career as a civil engineer that you kind of just have to do regardless of what experience level you're at, because they're going to help you out one way or another. So for sure, that's a big deal. But let's talk a little bit about like management and kind of like your management philosophy. And you have a department of seven people. I know for engineers, sometimes it's difficult in terms of figuring out like you're more hands-on as a manager, hands-off, you know, kind of maybe there's an important mix. What's your kind of take on that? Because I know it can be hard sometimes as like we're project-oriented people, probably started our careers like that. And then at one point we needed to make that transition. So how do you kind of manage that? Well, and it was interesting coming from a business in which there were two of us that managed all the people but we weren't the boss and we never considered the boss. So Mm. it was kind of, you know, I was in this real project manager role, even 22 years into a business with responsibilities that surpass project management. But on a day-to-day basis, I was still in trying to get the crews to the right site and Mm. making sure that the construction drawings were getting done on time. So I kind of, you know, even though my name was on the door, had to just be one of the guys and, working weekends and doing everything that everyone else was expected to do. So I kind of came up in that model okay. of we tried to work smarter and more efficiently, but a lot of times that, you know, it, it's a business of when times are good, you work hard. So when I transitioned over to a slightly larger organization right. that, you know, has a different philosophy on management a bit, you know, the managers, they're no longer, we're no longer project managers. We're managing teams of people. Right. And, I also walked into a group where I had staff who were older than me and yeah, and it was, it's been a little bit of push and pull because it was a small department. Everybody kind of did their own thing. And to now have a more organized group has been a challenge to make sure that we're all moving along (laughs) together. And I always have the philosophy that I like to hire people who are self-motivated who come to me to help them solve their technical problems and manage their clients when they need the assistance, but they're accountable for themselves. And when I don't get staff that are like that, it, it can be a challenge because I like to tell everybody that I'm not a micromanager, that right. you know you shouldn't have to talk to me every day unless you need to come to me as the resource. Um, That's great. So yeah. Your kind of philosophy is, you know, want someone that could do what they have to do on their own. If they need help, I'm here and available to help them. But I want them to kind of take the initiative and take right. their projects. And, and, and Well, and that came from being in a small business where pretty early on we had to take on a lot of responsibility and, and the senior engineers were there to assist us when we needed it. But you just kind of get thrown in the fire. And that's, I think, how you learn a lot. I sure. learned a lot in those 20 years. And I wasn't pigeonholed into doing one specific task because there were 50 other people who could do the other tasks. So it's a well-rounded experience that Mm. I had. Yeah, that's great. I think that that's like one of the keys really to good management is that balance between too much management where they're not getting that ability to develop. They're not getting thrown to the fire because like you're always there to help them. The opposite, which is like, you know, go do this project and I'll see you like when you're done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's definitely a balance, but I agree that I think sometimes people go a little bit too over the top and then it can kind of stunt the development a little bit because one day they are going to have to deal with a client on their own. And if they never had that experience, Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be that easy to do. What would you say would be like one of the biggest changes for you coming to Kaufman in terms of just your career as a whole? 
am really appreciative of our GM here, who again is there to be the support mechanism for the management staff in this office and, and is a great cheerleader. You know, I didn't come from an organization where I had a cheerleader looking out for me. So that support's been really Yeah, helpful. it's been really helpful and any initiative that I want to take with new clients and new project leads, he is always there to be the cheerleader and be the guy that's willing to let us go out on the limb and chase new business pursuits and giving me new energy that kind of when you get into your forties, either (laughs) it can get stagnant. I mean, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over and it's been great to come in, have smiling faces every day and know that what I'm doing, someone is appreciating. And I always want to try and, and, let my staff know that I'm appreciating all the work that they're doing too. It yeah, flows all the way important. down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important and sometimes overlooked and, you know, we just get caught up in the day-to-day project uh, grind and we don't always recognize what others are doing. I've talked to a lot of younger engineers that get frustrated, not like they want a raise or anything. They just want someone to say thank you kind of to them. So yeah. I think that that's a big deal. Again, we're here at Kaufman Engineers. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Jamie and finish up with our Civil Engineering Hot Seat segment. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time to put Jamie Hirota of Kaufman Engineers on the Civil Engineering Hot Seat. I mean, she's already touched on some really interesting topics and has really opened up for us, but we're going to dig a little deeper in this segment. But first, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, once again, Mazer Consulting. Mazer maintains a culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy comfortable work environments, continuous career advancement, and the ability to impact society, not only through the projects they work on, but the company-sponsored activities available to them. Mazer Consulting is on the cutting edge of technology and their opportunistic approach to expansion creates personal and professional growth opportunities across all areas of the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. Mazer Consulting has a civil site group located in their Hamilton, New Jersey office for which they are currently seeking an engineer project engineer, and project manager. The engineering role would include performing design tasks such as grading and drainage associated with civil engineering projects. For the PM role, Mazer is seeking a qualified individual to grow the engineering business. This person will be responsible for developing the civil site engineering discipline in this market as well as assisting in growing existing disciplines. The main responsibilities include developing business, building a staff, and generating and maintaining clients. All right, we're back at Kaufman Engineers in Honolulu with Jamie Hirota, the department manager for civil engineering. Jamie, it's time for the civil engineering hot seat. You ready? Go for it. <laughs> All right, first question. Do you have any rituals or routines that you practice on a daily basis that help you in your career in terms of management and any kind of routines at all that might be helpful for you that you've helped you with your success? Okay. Well, I do two things now and maybe I've learned them in my older age, but I started meditating several years ago, initially in response to managing my children better, but it I find that it it is a great way to start my day and kind of level my mind so that when I come into the office, I'm I'm much more focused and not so quick to respond. 
<laughs> so is that something you do every day, every morning? I do it every morning and in the evening before uh-huh. I go home and start cooking dinner. The other thing that I've learned that I try to block out my Tuesdays so that if I can, I don't have any meetings on Tuesdays. And I become better about blocking out my own personal time because as many managers know, sometimes you walk in the door and your day has become somebody else's day because right. you just get eaten up with everybody else's issues and, and it makes you very reactionary. So I'm trying not to be as reactionary. So if I can, I try to block out Tuesdays because that is the most efficient day of the week. Okay. Do you block it out for something specific or just whatever I, you I need try to, to work schedule out? my time during the day. I will make appointments for myself on okay. certain tasks that have to get done. I see. So I hold myself accountable for those tasks. I recommend to my staff that when they have certain tasks that have to, when I have given them something that has to get done, that they, they make a calendar invite to themselves to assure that that task is getting done. And it's just setting aside time to make sure that you're getting done what you need to get done. And I find that my week goes, if I can have my Tuesdays to myself, right. then I get a lot of work done early in the week. I feel successful and um, great. the rest it sets of my you week up tends to go better. A good yeah. week. That's yeah. great. Next question. Is there a book that stood out for you in terms of your professional development that maybe had an impact on you that, that over the years, it could have been yesterday, it could have been years ago, but something that you remember, like a book that you remember? Well, I mean, I pretty early on read Stephen Covey's book. Seven Habits. Seven Habits. I don't think in my 20s I understood what a lot of the things he was saying. It's really interesting to go back and reread things, right. you know, as you're 20 years into your career. But I've reread it a couple of times, and now I try to use those the information provide, to coach younger people on how to improve their career. And I always come back to it. I always have a copy of it on my shelf. That's great. Oh yeah. I mean, listen, if it works, uh, those are the kind of books that I get from people a lot that they're always good. Like, yeah, you know, whether yeah. it's now, 10 yeah, years Yeah. And I think it applies to any generation that as much discussion as there is about intergenerational communication that even 20 something can understand it. All right. Next question. So you've had managers in the past yourself, I'm assuming throughout your career, a couple mm-hmm. of managers here and there. Is there something that you can think of that stood out for you, like a positive from one of your managers, let's say, that you really liked about that manager? So, you know, I try to ask this question because if we think about the managers we had and we can think about why we like them, mm-hmm. we can maybe, you know, or some of our listeners can apply some of these strategies in their own management techniques. So is there something you can think of with one of your managers that they did, not necessarily asking to name names, but just something that they did or some reason that you might have said, man, that was they were a good manager for me? Actually, my first job out of college, I had a manager who was similar age to who I am now. We had a very young staff. He spent a lot of time interacting with us, both personally and professionally. He was very encouraging to us to go out and get involved. I always recommend to people get involved with the community around me, both personally and professionally. And he was a likable guy. There were times where he had to be tough on us and call us to task for things that, you know, as engineers, we needed to understand we hadn't done correctly. You know, sometimes the argument is that it's hard to call people to task when you're friends with them, but he had a good mix of friendship and leadership skills. That's great. And I hear that a lot is that, you know, when a manager really interacted with the staff and engaged with them, that, you know, makes people really remember them. All right, last question. We call it our civil engineering career elevator advice question. You get into an elevator with a civil engineer. You got about 30, 40 seconds with him or her to give some career advice based on your experience so far in your career. What would that advice be? Two things. One is 
get involved in Hawaii. It's very relationship-based. Right. When I walked in the door at Kaufman, you know, get involved, go out, do things that you're passionate about outside of the office and things that you're passionate about in our profession and build relationships on that. And the other thing is you got to let some stuff roll off your back because it's a tough business and we're dealing with really smart people and you can't, I learned when you work for a family member, because I worked for my father before I worked for my father-in-law, oh, okay. that, that, you know, you got to have thick skin sometimes and not take everything so personally. Jamie Hirota, Department Manager, Civil Engineering, Kaufman Engineers. Thank you so much for coming on the Civil Engineering Podcast. You can find all the episodes of the podcast at civilengineeringpodcast.com. And you could subscribe to our YouTube channel here to get all of our upcoming episodes. I hope you enjoyed the discussion with Jamie Hirota. It's certainly something that's not that easy to necessarily open up and talk about, making decisions like that that affect you personally with your family and professionally with your career. But I believe that her walking us through her thought process on the decision will be very helpful to many civil engineers across the world. And again, I really enjoyed my time in Hawaii. It's just an amazing place. If you're an outdoors person, get to Hawaii. Tons of great hikes and places to go and visit. And from a civil engineering perspective, everything is just so interesting in Hawaii. And I highly recommend the trip if you can make it. Please also remember to check out the next session of our Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop, which you can find at engineer2manager.com. We'll focus on effective communication skills in the training. We'll focus on networking and building relationship, leadership, delegation, public speaking, and everything you need to become a highly effective civil engineering manager. If you go to engineer2manager.com, you can check out what some of our past participants have said about the training and sign up and reserve your spot for our Q1 session of 2020. You can find all the show notes for our episodes, including this one at civilengineeringpodcast.com. This is episode number 130. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.